everyone, and welcome to this episode of our podcast, Getting to Better Together, sponsored by the Centre for International Development, Social Entrepreneurship and Leadership at the University of the Sunshine Coast, and supported by Noosa Radio FM 101.3. I'm your host, Richard Borden. Before proceeding further, I wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, the Gubby Gubby people, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. When we talk of getting to better together, we assume that there are advantages to be gained by cooperating and collaborating in the pursuit of betterment. Why is this so? What happens when we do work together that's absent when we work alone? Sharing the burden, exploiting diversity, expanding our range of competencies and capabilities, exploring differences in opinions and values and assumptions and knowledge are among the obvious benefits. But surely there's more to it than that. Is it possible that when we really work closely together in some form of collective or another, that we achieve a state of group consciousness where we can feel so immersed in a culture of the group, be it a commercial business, a voluntary organization, educational institution, a sporting team or whatever, that we feel that we're being embraced by a sense of a collective spirit? It's not just that we are working together, but that somehow or another we are as one. That brings a special feeling to togetherness that allows us to flourish in our collective endeavors. What happens when the all too common I am focus of our everyday world is replaced in these circumstances by a very powerful almost spiritual commitment to we are. Experience suggests that this is by no means a universal phenomenon. Some organizations flourish while others fail to do so. My guest today, Dr. Helen Russ, has been researching into these matters and consulting with organizations from a unique we are perspective for a very considerable length of time. Helen's investigations have included working with organizations overseas, especially Ireland and the United States, as well as within Australia. And I'm delighted to welcome her here this afternoon to explain the fascinating and vital insights that she's gained through her work, such as being the uniqueness of her contribution that she's coined her own word to describe it. And I'll leave it to her to introduce the concept and what it means in practice. Welcome, Helen. Thank you, Richard. That's lovely. What's your word? What does it mean? And what's, what's its it, significance? What's it mean? So the word is Lexian, and there's mm-hmm. three components, Lex, Lexian, capital L, and an E-Lexian, which are mm. the three components of an organisation. Lex is actually an old word that it was in ancient Greek and ancient Latin. It's both been used in Latin. It means Lex Romanos as the law of Rome or Lex Moses as the law of Moses. Mm-hmm. And it means law, L-O-R-E in Latin, law, L-A-W, and dharma, which is the way. Right. In ancient Greek, it means the word, as in, in the beginning was the word. So it's the first emanating principle of mm-hmm. anything. Right. Um, and in organizations or in groups, there is an energy, as you said in your introduction, whenever a group of people gather, they always gather for a reason, If it's even it's a mistake. There is mm-hmm. some reason for the gathering and right. there is a spirit of the group that mm-hmm. forms whether we want it or not, whether we're conscious of it or not. And that's so, always so. Huh? It's always so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like if you think of it as you have a presence, so Richard has a presence mm-hmm. and Helen has a presence and every mm-hmm. person has a presence. Right. And when we're as an individual, when we're in a physical body, we perceive ourselves as separate. I am mm-hmm. here, you are there. But when we come together in a group, and it doesn't have to be physically together, it can mm-hmm. be online or over a distance, there is this energetic 
spirit where our presence, our consciousness, consciousness is not limited by space and time. It's the beings that are created when we come together exist in, if you like, the fourth dimension. And so Mm -hmm. they behave under the laws of the fourth dimension. We Mm -hmm. exist, our physical body in any case, exists in the third dimension or we recognise ourselves in the third dimension where we exist under the laws of space and time. So we are held in place by gravity and we cannot move in time and we can move around in space. Whereas uh-huh. the conscious, the part of consciousness that exists that groups are associated with doesn't have the same limitations. So it's not limited by space and time in the same way we are. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So we have it now, you and I talking. Yeah, we wouldn't have a full Lexian, mm-hmm. but we have a presence, a combined presence. And the more we communicate, the more it will build. So Mm -hmm. as I share things with you and then as you share things with me, the space of consciousness begins to become something. The things with Lexians are that under about 25 people, and this is, you know, a loose figure, the Lexian is dependent on the founders. So if you Mm -hmm. and I were founding an organisation and we gathered 20, 25 people around us, it would be dependent on our emotional and mental stability. If, for example, there was one of us had a divorce or Mm. got very sick, that would send waves through the Lexian, through the spirit of the group that we created. Mm -hmm. If, on the other hand, we created an organisation with, say, 300, if something happened to you or I, even if we're a founder, it will not destabilize the Lexian in the same way because mm. after about 25, it's become a being in its own right. I was going to ask you if there is an optimal number, and that's about it. Is it a couple of dozen? Well, it's, it's yeah, the there's, there's real levels and gradients in these beings. Like you get between about 30, let's say, something like that, and 150 is kind of one-sized organism. Mm -hmm. Then you get up into the thousands and it's a different-sized organism and and it behaves differently. And then you get into the Google examples, you know, where Mm. you've got literally millions of people participating, and Mm -hmm. that is a different beast again. Right. Mm. When we participate in in social networks and and so on, are we aware of that? I mean, can we become aware (laughs) of it? So... You would be, Richard, um, just that I, that your listeners, I've known Richard for a long time. Um, a corporate wizards, they're people who can come into an organisation and they seem apparently do nothing, mm-hmm. but they seem to lift the organisation out of the gutter and put it on a good trajectory. Oh. They're people who do this intuitively, right? Mm-hmm. So the only difference with my work, you've got people like, Napoleon or popes or leaders, people who've changed history, you know, Gandhi, for example, people Mm -hmm. like this have an understanding of this phenomena, but they do it intuitively. And we've had no collective or agreed language to talk about it. The only thing I'm doing that's different really is that I have brought a language and a structure to it so that you and I can discuss it. Mm -hmm. Isn't that fascinating? So an organisation calls you, um, what's the trigger for them calling you in the first place? Oh, it's if somebody, if the organisation is not firing on all cylinders in whatever Mm -hmm. way, if it's not Mm -hmm. functioning, it's not um, happy. And Mm -hmm. it's quite interesting. I've had, when I was doing my research, I was in the States and I was at a non-for-profits conference and I was talking with someone and they said, oh, would our organisation want you? And I saw the spirit of the group look down its nose at me and say, no. 
Like really? <laughs> yes. So not all organisations want to be looked at. Um, no. Ones that generally want to do well and bring goodness to the world are much more likely to. I'll have other people where, I mean, if you want to, if you want to get a job in an organisation, talk to the spirit of the group. Uh-huh. Don't bother talking to the CEO. I mean, you have to as well because social right. protocol suggests it. Sure. But in actual fact, if you want an organisation to do something for you, tune into the spirit of the group. You might have to write a letter. I remember doing this years ago. You might have to write mm. a letter to get a council or a board or somebody to agree to something. Right. Tune into the spirit of the group, find where the spirit of the group will say yes, and then write your letter from there. <laughs> That's good. Well, yeah. as, as you are aware, because yes, indeed, we did meet many, many years ago. Yeah. Um, we were in a group where a small group of us academics, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, shared a particular essence or spirit mm-hmm. that we actually couldn't convey, but other people could recognize, including the students. We were academics. Mm-hmm. We were involved in a really exciting uh, educational radical innovation, I guess, in initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the three of us or four of us really recognized that between the four of us, we had something special, which I'm delighted to say continues to this day. Mm-hmm. The rest of the organization didn't necessarily share that. And mm-hmm. yet somehow or another, the energy of that of those four carried us through is that typical um lexians are held in place by people and this is the thing that a lot of organizations forget it's actually the heart and spirit of individuals that keep a lexian or the spirit of a group aligned so Uh the spirit of the group does not have a heart in the way that we have a human heart and the human heart is the thing that allows us to connect through all levels of creation Mm What's interesting with Lexian is that the structure of the word takes your consciousness up to the archetype in what Plato would call an an archetype, as in for a horse to exist somewhere, there's a perfect essence of hoarseness. Mm-hmm. And so in that situation, you and some of the other members, some of the other four that you're talking about would have been connected to the Lex, right? And the Lex right. is a living form. It's not, you can call it an ideal or an idea, but it's actually alive. And when you're connected to that, you're connected to the one life of which we all participate. Mm-hmm. And as such, your ideas when you're aligned with that, you align your consciousness with that. And this is what a what I call a corporate wizard would do, right? They come into an organization, they align their consciousness with the perfect form, mm-hmm. and they constantly get ideas and solutions to enliven. All Lexians, all beings want to achieve their greatest potential. And mm-hmm. so what happens to organizations is that they get disconnected from their Lex And there's no individual in the organization that cares enough. And I mean that the caring is absolutely important Mm -hmm. to keep the organization connected to its legs. In the situation with you four, you four cared very, very deeply about Mm -hmm. what was happening. And Mm -hmm. so you aligned with the legs, consciously or not. Some of you are probably more conscious, more aware of what you were doing than than others. Mm -hmm. But it's that ability to connect with the legs that brings the life, it brings direction, and it brings like enlivening, solution, awakening to Mm. the spirit of the group. And when people, so you four, are consciously and actively communicating with the spirit of the group, the spirit of the group is like this soft, 
supportive breeze behind everything you do, mm. right? The spirit mm. of the group communicates with the other Lexian that you had to navigate through the university, right? right? They, they communicate and it might happen through people, but it'll often happen in a really relaxed, uncomplicated way, just, you know, over a coffee or someone will say something and then the, the spirit of the other group hears it through the words of that person. And it's like, mm. oh, no, this group will support us as well. And, and mm. so there's a thing about respecting all life forms and mm -hmm. the spirit of the group is a life form with its own destiny, mm. its own, it, it wants to achieve its greatest potential, whatever that is. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, it's interesting, isn't it, that people use without discomfort words like spirit and human spirit and so on and recognise yep. what that means. And they also recognise, I believe, the sort of sense that you've been talking, the essence-ness of something that's alive and that is shared and so on. And yet yeah. the moment you mention the word spiritual, people yeah. go blank and go blazy-eyed. <laughs> and, and, and you think, what a shame that is, because it's a perfect word to really try to move people into a relatively comfortable zone still yeah. about talking about things that mostly people don't talk about. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Lexian's a great word because it's mm. an old word. Yeah. And as I said, in consciousness, people have called the spirit of the group lots of things. Um, mm -hmm. One term that's been used is meme. And mm -hmm. I was doing that in my research. And the thing with meme is when you when you involute into the spirit of an organization, using the term meme, your consciousness circles at the lower levels mm -hmm. because it's got no linguistic foundation and no theoretical foundation. Mm. Whereas you use Lexian and it literally takes your consciousness consciousness up to the lex your consciousness naturally looks for the lex mm. um it's interesting around words mm. um, yeah oh i mean it's, it's a bizarre thing to me that mm. that if you say a word like um like epidemiology for instance yeah with covid everybody knows what that word means now and pandemic yeah. and so on yeah. and yet if you mention a word that's similar uh, like epistemology for instance which is simply yeah. the philosophy of knowledge again people go blanky eyed and you think that's a great <laughs> tragedy because people actually ask the question what do you mean by that we would make huge progress because as i say i think everybody works in in uh, is aware of situations where when we're working together there is something special about that togetherness yes yeah 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 i mean it's it's interesting because it links to emanation and consciousness and mm. we're all living in one unified field mm -hmm. and one of the things I think now is that we're I think a lot of us are not as afraid of the word spiritual perhaps the word spiritual has a little word gravity but I think a lot of us are looking for ways to talk about different levels of consciousness from just quite a pragmatic front mm, and mm. the you know this model the work I've done rests on Plato and nine dimensional level of consciousness where mm -hmm. we're physically at the third but we have subtle bodies through all dimensions and so right. we are actually there's a part of us cognizant at all dimensions right is there a nexus here between say yoga and, and meditation and this notion of, of heightened group consciousness the interesting thing that I've found is that most spiritual traditions have worked, as you mentioned at the beginning, they've worked with the I am, mm -hmm. and we haven't worked with the we are. We actually don't know what happens when people come together. Mm -hmm. One of the huge issues in organisational culture, in management, has been the management of culture. How yeah. do you work with it when you've got a culture that's dysfunctional, that's dragging its feet, that's dishonest, perhaps, mm -hmm. you know, and people 
do all kinds of things that are effectively rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic yeah. because, because they only work with third dimensional consciousness. Mm. I had an organisation in Ireland and they'd had a, about a dozen people, I think it was, who'd spoken up. They'd asked for feedback about what was happening in the organisation and there was about a dozen who'd spoken up and all mm-hmm. of them had been fired within the next little while, few months. Oh, wow. And so the whole organisation would not say anything. And mm. so they started writing on the, on the tagline on their emails, it's safe to speak up. Mm. But it's like, it's like putting a Band-Aid on an ulcer. Mm. Mm. You haven't actually addressed the mistrust and the, the rot that's in the spirit of the group. So mm. what they're doing is they're working at a third dimensional level, but the problem is in the consciousness of the group. Mm. So unless you start, if you start, you can actually look the spirit of the group in the eye. Mm. You can ask it what it wants, what's mm. wrong. And it will wow. tell you. It will the, the funniest thing, Richard, is when I when I start to work with them and they often go, they often say things like, oh my God, she can see me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, isn't that wonderful? Mm. <laughs> Let me take a great big leap here uh, okay. in terms of awareness, not just necessarily consciousness, but awareness of the fact mm-hmm. that political systems around the world at the moment, uh, you know, one can say almost generally are dysfunctional or becoming increasingly dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what can we do there in terms of Lexion and, and its application? It's oh, a big question. The thing is, you need to look at the forces behind whatever you're running, be it mm-hmm. a corporation or a political system, or a movement, mm-hmm. are always... So, as I said, whenever people gather, a group spirit is also created. Get uh-huh. to a certain number, and it becomes a being in its own right. Get okay. to another, a different number, and it becomes a player within the global consciousness. Okay. Right? It becomes, in actual fact, a stream of consciousness mm-hmm. that if there are bigger streams around, the bigger stream will take over. Okay. Right? Take yep. 9 11 mm-hmm. as an example. Yep. It's completely and utterly altered international travel. Yes, that's right, isn't it? Right? Mm. Mm. We now have a system that is much more controlled, mm-hmm. much more, you know, the security level is massively increased and if you had individual airports and they were allowed in their own way to make their own decisions I doubt we would have such a high levels of security but you've got these much bigger forces moving through the collective psyche of humanity and so the small airport the spirit of the small airport gets influenced like a bit like dye in water, mm-hmm. it gets influenced, the consciousness, the spirit of the group gets altered by something like 9-11. And consequently, it starts introducing a whole lot of perhaps overly strict security measures that are completely mm. unnecessary in mm. its particular situation. Mm. And we can see that everywhere. So what my research is about, in effect, is about raising our level of consciousness And taking responsibility for the beings we create and Mm. actually recognising. So we are a unique category of beings in that we have a vehicle, which is the human heart, which enables us to connect to our own integrity all the time at all levels of creation. Mm -hmm. With our focus on the third dimension, we've kind of ignored that and we've let the beings of the fourth dimension take over. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, many um, Eastern cultures both uh, recognize and privilege the notion of, of uh, group consciousness and higher consciousness, don't they? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all spiritual traditions have got different ways of talking about this. Mm. Um, mm. Mm. And when I think about that every time I do one of these podcasts and uh, I, I um, you know, quite rightly acknowledge the um, the traditional custodians of this land and pay my respects. But mm -hmm. it, it sounds so trivial compared to the respect that we really ought to, I ought to accede to the fact that there is a level of, of consciousness that enabled people to live in this continent for 50,000 years um, with relative security and safety and comfort and, and happiness, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. that we never really explore that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know. Uh, <laughs> My work, uh, as you probably know, has, as I'm sure you will know, uh, has not extended itself into uh, the fourth dimension. It's been very much concerned with consciousness and reflexivity in terms of what it is that I know, what I value, uh, the particular moral perspective that I have on life and how I come to that. Uh, but your work takes to a whole new dimension, doesn't it? Yeah, it's essentially sourcing consciousness. If you mm. want to change something in the physical, yeah. you have to source it. Plato yeah. talks about the analogy of the cave, the allegory of the cave, the analogy yeah. of the divided line. In the analogy of the cave, it's that what we see are actually shadows of what's mm. going on at a different dimension. And that's yeah. the thing that's hard for us as we've had such a focus on the physical. That We, yeah. we, we are multidimensional beings. We have access to all levels of consciousness naturally. Yeah. We do within ourselves. All we need to do is to activate that ability <laughs> and of course follow, following that allegory uh, what we see is is distortion it's, uh, it's yeah. not only not real in the sense of being corporal uh, but it's it's an image and it flickers and it changes in the way that the original people as it were uh, is not manifest so it's the shadows that's moving because of light and because of all sorts of other things that are going on rather than the being itself yeah yeah. Helen, this has been wonderful. Uh, Thank you, Richard. Yeah. Terrific conversation. I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I shall go away and try and work on more often the conversion to we are from, from I am. Thanks a million. Thank you and very much, Richard. It was wonderful. Thank you all for listening. I look forward to our next episode. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>